my name is Eric, and I welcome you to our Black Gay Diaspora podcast, where we, as LGBTQ plus citizens, come together to inspire and educate each other on who we are and our respective countries and professions. Through topics and guest interviews, our Black Gay Diaspora podcast celebrates individuals making a difference. Loving who we love is not a choice. Being who we're meant to be can be. We are here. You are welcome. We are community. Hello, my name is Eric, your host of Our Black Gay Diaspora podcast. Today, I'm joined by American entrepreneur Alhaji Cisse. Alhaji is the founder of Sugarbum Hygienics. Sugarbum is spelled C-U-G-R-B-U-M, and he's the creator of the company's foaming deodorizer. With a focus on health and beauty innovations using natural alternatives, he's created a product addressing the concerns of us all, which includes Black, Indigenous, and people of color and the LGBTQ plus communities. Through 30-something Black and Gay is where I discovered Alhaji. It's a weekly podcast he co-hosts with Jason and Mikey. Each episode showcases the friends sharing their intellect, life experiences, and insights on pop culture. They traveled with me during my evening commute from work in Century City, a community just west of Beverly Hills, when I was living in Hollywood at the time. I'm excited and honored to speak with El Haji and hear his professional journey as a Black gay man. Hey, Haji, and welcome. <laughs> How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on this platform. And I just have to say one more time, I've already said it, but I just really love your background. Just feels so nice and calming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in my office. Although it feels a little chaotic to me on my desk here. All the magic that we don't see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have my microphone here, but thankfully you can't see all the wires and pulleys that are keeping it together <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I was so honored to hear that you love the show, 30-something Black and Gay. I remember when you reached out and told me about it and how you listened to it on your commute. Yeah, yeah. The name, you know, of course, expresses you guys being in your 30s, but your platform, your chemistry between all of you is universal for us all. You know, I'm a few steps ahead of you as far as age, but it was uh, perfect for me. It was when I had just started really listening to podcasts. And so I was listening to a few gay ones that people had recommended, but I was like, all right, I need to find out ones that are more specific to Black gay men. And that's when I found you guys and the humor, the intellect, all of it was just like, (laughs) yeah, it was like my little treat on the way home from work when you guys would upload a new episode. It's like, I got to listen to them. (laughs) You know, I was actually the other night listening. I think I binged maybe three or four (laughs) episodes of just listening because it's just nice to have like a, a timestamp in, in history. And I was just listening what was going on uh, back in like 2019. I think we ended just at the beginning of 2020, just before the pandemic. So are you still doing it? Well, unfortunately, no, we all moved in different directions. We're all working on different things. It's ended for now. There's a chance that we could get back into the studio and record. I think we all miss it. Well, I have a question around the name. Would that change if you guys got back together as you got older? I will be turning 39 this year where all of us are around the same age. So possibly, or maybe it'll be something completely different. Okay. But I I agree with you that I think the show is pretty universal. We have people as young as like 19, 20, 
listening and saying that they felt like we were like big brothers or offered uh, great advice. And then we have people who are older. That was a good show. It's a cool thing. I think it's just the fact that we're all friends and you kind of get a chance to take a peek into our conversations that we would normally have yeah. and the debates that we would normally have. Yeah, I'm glad you loved it. <laughs> For me, you know, a lot of us gay men, if we're fortunate, we do find our posse or our group of friends. And then, you know, initially you guys were four, then you went down to three. But that dynamic also for me, I didn't realize until you were just talking about it, it was like these uh, groups of women that a lot of us seem to find solidarity with, you know, like TV shows, girlfriends or golden yeah. girls, those types of shows. So you guys really, for me, captured that too, because you know, we are men, we are gay men. And then being Black gay men, it's like, yeah, I wanted to see that too. So I was really glad that you guys put that out there. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, we did too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know we're early in the week, but do you have one word that would describe your week or your day so far? One word that would describe this week? I'm going to say relentless. Yeah. And the reason why I'd say that is because... I've definitely been met with a couple challenges around business, but I believe in what I'm doing so much that I'm that relentless to make it, make it work. And I think also, I don't feel so bad about difficult times now because I realize that I'm always learning and I realize that this is what I asked for. And whenever you want to grow, you're going to hit some roadblocks. I'm sure I'm not unique in comparison to any other entrepreneur any other CEO or business owner, any other creative. So I'm looking forward to coming out on the other end of this. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I can definitely relate. And you said it's not unique, but it is important for you, you know, somebody who has your own business to share those things. Because I think for those of us who are trying to walk down a similar path, it's like, okay, well, this person can share the human parts of it and, and remind me that it's possible, but we're going to have, you know, peaks and valleys, and, and that's part of it, too. And I'll just uh, share quickly, I'm a fan of quotes, and I heard this yesterday, and it just kind of blew my mind, but this woman said, just because you make the right decision doesn't mean it's always going to feel good. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm with that. So when you were talking about that, that just kind of reinforced that for me. Amen to that. I like that quote. Yeah. So your name is Al-Haji Sise. To my ear, it doesn't sound like it has European origins. What is the origin of your name? My dad is from Sierra Leone, West Africa. So the last name Sise is very indicative of that country specifically and West Africa as well. Al-Haji is a title title for those who have made the pilgrimage to Mecca. I'm not Muslim. I grew up more Christian. I was named after a family member of my dad's. I think in a lot of ways, I would like to live up to it, the name as well. Going through the journey, the spiritual journey, coming out on the other end, more enlightened. I think in a lot of ways, I try to live my life that way. At least the older I get, the more I realize. Now, are you from there yourself? Were you born there? I was born in Philadelphia and I grew up in Maryland. I see. Okay. Yeah. So my dad and his family migrated um, or immigrated to the U.S. He was the first. He was in school and he sponsored a lot of my family members. They reside in the Philadelphia area. 
I see. So you're like first generation American. Well, my mom is, she's American, but for my dad, yeah. Uh, Sierra Leone, part of my story recently is that I was in Europe for two years in Sweden, mostly a singer artist that I followed uh, who still has been producing music, but she was bigger in the States in the late eighties, early nineties, Nina Cherry. Her dad is from Sierra Leone. Oh, is she? Okay. Wow. I'm curious to know what's like living in, in Europe. I would love the opportunity to live abroad. At the times that I have traveled to Europe, I would say that my one observation is, I don't know, I felt like white privilege was flexed just a little less. <laughs> I don't know if you felt that with your experience or not. You mean with white Americans? In Europe, being Black, did it feel the same? Uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's my question. You know, I'm still always curious. I have some Black friends there in Sweden and in the UK, but specifically Sweden, because I think we know less about Black people there. I was always curious who they saw when they saw me. But my awareness was when I spoke, I noticed there was a change in energy. Like, oh, you're American. And maybe because they don't see us there in particular, they see Black people, but usually from the continent of Africa. I felt like there was usually an interest there, like, oh, you're here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a really good question. That's something I need to ponder for myself. So I want to say congratulations. You're an entrepreneur on Sugar Bomb Hygienics, the deodorizer. Can you tell us a little bit about that product and your company? Yeah. So um, Sugar Bomb, S-U-G-R-B-U-M. So there's no A in it, but it's still pronounced sugar. The first product that we have out is a foaming body deodorizer that can be used pretty much everywhere. But the initial intent was to be able to use it in your private areas, hence the name Bum. Uh, it works so well that it also works extremely well on your underarms as well as your feet. So it literally lifts out any odors and also suppresses any bacteria that eats on oils or anything that's in your skin that would cause you to smell it. You wash it completely off. Um, it's like a pre-wash. You use it before you shower and it literally makes those areas smell like nothing. It's pretty magical. There's been a lot of talk around the use of aluminum. So I'm guessing that's not in the product. It's a natural formula. There is no aluminum. There's no parabens of any kind. There's uh, a lot of natural ingredients, including aloe vera. There's some witch hazel in there some mint extract to give you a nice little tingly feel, mm -hmm. cooling feeling as you deodorize. When you talked about washing it off, is that like part of the application process? Yes. Okay. My routine and everybody's routine is different, but I apply it while I'm brushing my teeth. So I put one pump per area. So I will make a pump and some people use less or maybe use more to every area that I want to deodorize. You leave it on for a few minutes. So while I'm brushing my teeth, which is an average about like two minutes, I make my way to the shower. I wash it completely off with a washcloth and odor free for a couple of days. Couple of days. So only once a couple of days you need to use it. Yeah. That's amazing. And that depends on, you know, the person you are, how active you are. Some people use it maybe once a week or every few days. Uh, if they're not as active or if they don't really have a lot of body odor. 
But me creating it was after experiencing that I would shower with soap, water, you know, brand name soaps, <laughs> washcloth, <laughs> and um, you, know, you towel dry. And then sometimes it would still be some sort of mustiness or whatever that be left over. And that was something that I was insecure about. Talk to other people and they experience the same thing. Oftentimes you wash off, you think you've done a great job, then you slather on some deodorant that a lot of times has some very nasty ingredients in them. And then you still sweat or you still smell and it then gets embedded in your clothing. So one thing I'd noticed ironing like a black t-shirt that's been laundered and seeing like this sparkly, it almost looks like as if I had like glitter or something on my clothes. And that's the aluminum. And that is what's on your skin to try to suppress you from your body doing its natural function of sweating. So I can sweat. I'm a person who goes to the gym and lift weights. I can sweat, but I don't smell. Maybe logging on your website for a different reason to order the product. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll like it. Some people use it for novelty reasons. If they want to, you know, use it down below, it's a special night or they just want to feel very confident. It's great for that. You know, I've been hearing, especially with men, us being a bit more honest and open about like, we want to smell good too, all over, not just, you know, like you said, the underarms and the fact that you're talking about it being a product that we can use all over. I yeah. think it's good to talk about publicly because uh, not to share too much, but it's like, I do have those moments like, yeah. you're like, oh, I wish I didn't have to be so hyper aware of down below. <laughs> yeah. This right here, honestly, I know that it would seem that I'm partial because it's something that I created, but it, it really, truly does work very well. It's very effective. And the biggest thing is it just removes that layer of doubt and very much makes you confident that you'll be fresh and you'll be fresh for a couple of days. You know, we all have stressful times throughout the day. I think that it offers a level of spontaneity or, you know, those who have plans, <laughs> <laughs> yes, someone they like. Speaking of, that's the one challenge I've been trying to figure out how to promote this in a, such a way that's tactful and still leaving room for mass consumption. So I want to still be able to have a product that can sit on a shelf somewhere and everybody in America could use it. But knowing that our community, <laughs> in my mind, when I was creating this, it is you know, so, so that you can feel confident down below your groin, your booty, but it also really works really, really, really well for underarms. I don't use deodorant anymore. Some ask, do you still need natural deodorant or can I still use? Absolutely. You can, but just know that even with some natural applications, you still putting on a black t-shirt or even a white one, you know, you still can get streaks. You still can get stains and any bacteria that is festering or smoldering on your skin, it will kind of embed itself into the solution or the, um, the deodorant and then get stuck in your clothing. I actually was listening to something on YouTube. These straight guys were interviewing a gay guy, but they were being open about they're starting to groom more down below. It's like, oh, it actually kind of feels good. I feel cleaner and more confident. Yeah, you know, something that it seems like women have been a lot more aware of or encouraged to talk about more than we have. 
generally and specifically as gay men. That's the through line for me with any business that I will have or have currently is to just make people feel more confident and empower people in that way. I can tell by the logo design and the adverts that I've seen on Instagram and then even on your website and just even looking at your background, there's a lot of planning that went into not just the product, but also the aesthetic of the bottle, the way you're advertising, which I really like because it's very clean. How long was the process from the idea forming to when the product became an actuality? Honestly, it was fairly quick, but you know, it's been a thing where it has been tweaked over and over again. So I'll say it was in 2020, the height of the pandemic. I had ordered a lot of ingredients with the mindset that I want to create products. I've always wanted to. I've been a hairstylist for several years. I've been a barber for most of my life. And I always thought, well, the next thing that would make sense is to have a product. But what I found is that with doing a lot of hair products, it's not but so much that you can do to reinvent that wheel. While being at home, I was also like, hey, the same issue that I was just discussing, like you shower, and I'm like, huh, what's going on here? Is still something there. I'm a person who eats a lot of spices. So I love like seasonings and curry and all that other stuff. So some of those things kind of come out your pores. And so I did some research and I found that lemons and limes that was an ingredient that a lot of people said that worked, right? But their idea was to rub like a raw lemon or lime on your skin. It got the wheels turning. What's the active ingredient in citrus? Okay, citric acid. That's something that I started playing with. So I created several iterations of solutions. And I also tested it with clientele and myself. When it worked on me, I said, wow, okay, I'm on to something. But then I was playing with scents and stuff like that. And then I also was advised that people like being more on the natural side. I do as well, even with eating, I'm the same way. So I started pulling back as far as perfumes and stuff was concerned and went more natural. So I would say that the prototype was made in maybe August of 2020. And we started selling in November of 2020. Wow, that's fast. That's when we went live on e-commerce business. Since then, the formula I've updated, I did more research, you know, I've maybe found that an ingredient maybe over time wasn't really as healthy. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that I'm doing anything that would be harmful or anything. I wanted something that I can really feel proud of and know that I was doing good in this world. So as far as the logo and everything, that's something that I created as far as like the packaging, the branding, that's something I really get into. And that really inspires me and something that I would like to do more and more of with other brands. There's other things that I have in mind that I would like to work on to hear that, oh, you appreciate the packaging or you like the colors. You can tell that it's deliberate. Yeah, it definitely has been. No, it stood out to me. I'm a graphic designer. That's what I've been doing for years with me starting my own platform with this, using those skill sets. So yeah, that definitely stood out to me. And to hear that you did that yourself, it sounds like that's a natural gift of yours. I'm the youngest of three. My brother uh, and my sister, I had other older cousins. They would always say that I would find bottles and I would stuff them with like flowers and 
put different things in them and then give them away as gifts. So I think that was just like the beginning of me in the process of branding and designing product development. The tie-in with hair care products, as you said, you did this all in your home, definitely with natural hair being something that's more talked about in the Black community, specifically with Black women. It sounds like you did the same, but with a different product. Yeah. When I was mentioning the ingredients that I was purchasing to make hair products, that's kind of what happened. I had made like a mousse, like a hair mousse prototype. And then when I made a solution that worked as far as deodorizing, I was like, you know, it'd be great if instead of running all down my body as I'm applying it to my underarms, why don't I make that into a mousse? Why don't I make it into a foam where I can easily place it? I can use less product and it will sit in place long enough to do its job. I kind of combined the two. It was an emulsifying ingredient that makes it foam. And that's what happened. You have this product, you're an entrepreneur. Sounds like there's somewhat of a scientist in there too. What's your educational and professional background? Honestly, I did not finish college. I did attend a few years of schooling outside of grade school. Mm -hmm. I did go to cosmetology school and I, I finished that. So I don't have any expertise as far as like science or anything is concerned, just as anyone would be like a good cook. Anybody who is just testing different flavors in the kitchen or different techniques, different presentation, it's the same thing. Okay. Maybe uh, you were guided by something within you. You know, you were allowing the universe to take you down a certain path. I would definitely agree. I would say that. And I'll also add to it that at the time I had a friend of mine that was working with me. He definitely was instrumental in kind of pushing me in that direction as far as making a legitimate business. He was in business school and working on his degree. And as he was learning, he was sharing that same information with me. So I, I have to say that having people around that want you to succeed and also have their own personal goals that intertwine or align with yours is very helpful. I think that I have a very entrepreneurial spirit and I am very creative. And I think the creativity is where I really think I align with, but I think it is important to have people to help you in the process and guide you in the right direction, assist you. I don't know if, if I didn't have that help at that time, would I be talking to you right now about this? I definitely have taken the ball and continue to run with it. I was actually just listening to something right before this interview that touched on when you really feel called to do something, it's important to pay attention to your network. This could be indicative of what we were going through as far as the pandemic and isolation and all, but one thing I was very adamant was canceling any noise that would get in my way. Unfortunately, a lot of times people see you through a certain lens that they're used to seeing you. I have a lot of hats that I've worn over my lifetime, a barber being one of them, and someone just seeing you just as that. A lot of times people can kind of remind you to kind of stay in a certain place where they're comfortable seeing you. I found that I did isolate myself a lot and bury myself into something that I believed in and I wanted to succeed. And even to this day, I'm very much like, hey, if you're not with it, if you're not being supportive, 
I got to make sure that I <laughs> create a little space because I don't want to be discouraged. I do believe in what I'm working on. And I do feel like it has been a gift. And I do think it is a gift from God. You share some things that I relate to. And it's great to hear that you are at a place in your life right now that you're discovering that you don't have to be limited by other people's expectations of you or who you were when they met you. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And knowing that it does make me more mindful of how I see other people or how I approach people, people that are familiar. One thing that I've kind of um, come to understand is that we all have stories. We can choose to continue to play the same character throughout that story. And just deep. <laughs> okay, we can, we could, we, we absolutely can. And if it's serving you well and it serves humanity well, by all means, continue. But if there's ever a point where that story is starting to make you dim your light or keep you from being the best version of yourself or just growing and changing and kind of going with the wind, people who have a specific story unwilling to adapt to what's going on in the, the universe now, unfortunately, they're not faring so well. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I still have to remind myself, like when there's times where in business, you know, something comes up, something I'm not used to. Well, you are a CEO <laughs> and this is what comes with it. You're not Haji behind the chair, the barber or the self-employed or the little brother or any of those people at this point. Stop telling yourself that you can't do this or this isn't me. You have the ability to rewrite that story changing the way you talk to yourself. Absolutely. Wow. I remember with the podcast, 30-something Black and Gay, uh, you guys were all in LA at the time. Is that where you're at currently? Yeah, I'm still in LA. I live in the Hollywood area. You mentioned you were born in Philadelphia, raised in Maryland. Can you talk a little bit about like who you were growing up? So who was I growing up? So I lived in Philadelphia just for a small amount of years and then I grew up in the suburbs of Maryland in Columbia Maryland between Baltimore and DC definitely was the little brother I definitely was told how how precocious I was and how annoying I had a lot of questions very inquisitive and at some point I then became more shy yeah I was definitely in a lot of ways still the same person I am now I'm not as extremely outgoing as I would dream to be. Always been very creative, definitely loved nature and exploring. So all those things, I'm still that person, but that's who I was growing up. I used to love riding my bike in the paths through the woods and stuff. And I thank my mom for moving us from Philadelphia. We lived in like Southwest Philly. It definitely wasn't the greatest place to live. Our lives did a complete 180 as far as the environment was concerned. It was a very safe place to live. Education system was much better. So I had a lot of advantages. Overall, a pretty decent childhood. My uh, dad and stepmother settled in the 70s in Maryland and Bowie. Oh, okay. I don't really know the area, but I kind of know it. You know, okay. I'm from Arizona. It, to me, it's like night and day. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's cool. But one of the things I liked there was how 
solid and strong the black communities were there mm-hmm. you know compared to the west coast i would say that's just my opinion i can totally see that uh, where i grew up it was very diverse what brought you out to la the west coast what brought me out to la was honestly the weather and the terrain i think i just turned 29 and i just didn't feel like there was anything really back home for me i came out here just kind of on a whim I just got out of a relationship. I was treating myself as a birthday gift. And I came here for four days. I knew two people, a guy and a girl. Mm-hmm. The guy who later became my friend, he showed me around, introduced me to some of his close friends. I met Mikey then, and he was very sweet. He told me, he said, if you want to move here, you have to ride the bull at Saddle Ranch, which was a restaurant that had like a what is it called? I don't know. Those and electric the mechanical bulls. Yeah, mechanical bulls. I just loved the mountains. It was beautiful. The weather was great. We drove down to Laguna Beach and I said, wow, if I can be at a place this beautiful within minutes, this is somewhere I would like to be. I had become fully vested at my company that I was working at the time, real estate lending. I was a mortgage broker. Probably wasn't the smartest thing financially, but I just cashed out my 401k and I was out within 30 days. When did you transition from that world to being a hairstylist? I was doing that for years, at least eight years. And hair always overlapped. I was in beauty school outside of work. I did a two-year program in the evenings, got my license. When I moved to LA, I found another job at like a credit union doing mortgage loans again. And I only did it for maybe a year and a half before I decided to resign and just do hair full time. You know, I had a steady paycheck that afforded me to be able to qualify, you know, get an apartment and pay my bills. But I just knew it was never going to make me rich. <laughs> like working there, I just felt very trapped. It was a very challenging job when I was told that I couldn't take a vacation. I didn't have enough time off to take this wonderful vacation that had been presented to me by a guy that I was dating. All expenses paid everything. I was shy maybe like a day or two on my leave bank. They denied it. (laughs) I said, well, (laughs) I think my time here is done. It kind of eats me when I hear people who stifle themselves in their lives based on like their jobs, I understand that it's security and people need their work. But when they're unable to take advantage of things that could be enriching, life-changing, wonderful opportunities because of work or a job, it hurts me. And so I went on that vacation anyway. When I got back, I resigned. And my last day was on New Year's Eve of 2014. So since 2015 on, I've been self-employed, dipped into like acting and modeling, and that has been rewarding as well. Mm-hmm. And it also allowed for me to kind of open up a little bit more with my personality. Auditioning is not always easy. So presenting yourself in front of strangers, it, it definitely opens you up. And that has indeed been a blessing for me. And you sharing, I hear a seeker and this is me projecting, but I hear somebody who's always looking for your authenticity. It's like, you know, I want to make sure that this life that I have is the best life that I can live. 
I wouldn't say that you're projecting. I think that you're right. I've often said that, and I don't know how this works as far as reincarnation or whatever, right? I personally would like to capitalize on this lifetime. I don't necessarily want to be back. That's where I'm at. I am all about liberation and being free and feeling untethered as far as living life to the fullest. Do I do that all the time? No, but it is something that I am seeking to your point. And in a lot of ways, feel like I would like to be an example for other people to liberate themselves as well. And the reason why is because I haven't always felt so confident. I do feel like confidence is the key to move about the world uninhibited, you know? It's nice when I see others doing that. I'm a person who loves documentaries. You know, maybe I'm a person who loves fairy tales, but I love a rags to riches story. Oftentimes what comes from that is their mindset, maybe where they came from and the story that they have is limiting, but then somehow someone just gives them an inkling of courage or just a glimmer of hope and they start working towards that and then they become an example. And that doesn't mean that they're fearless. Right. I don't, I don't think most people are fearless. Like you do shit when you are fearful or you do it anyway. I often admire those type of stories. I would say that I would like to be that as well for somebody else who looks like me or lives like me or, or whatever that is. A conversation I had with a friend yesterday in Sweden, he's learning that and being vulnerable, he's learning in his profession and he's become stronger and more confident. I'm in the middle of the two of you and I hear that too, you know, and being vulnerable, you become more confident. And then you talk about rags to riches. Those stories for me, what really grabs me is these people, when they stop and say, you know what, this is who I am, period. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's it. I need to stop running from myself. That's a good point. Well, I think there's a lot that you said in there. The latter part, as far as this is who I am, I think that's something that I'm definitely still after. Mm -hmm. And I think especially for people in our community, being Black, being gay, I think there could be some shame. I think a lot of times we have that. And what that looks like for everybody as far as being themselves is different. But I think sometimes we just kind of tell ourselves, oh, I can't do that. Can't step out of these bounds. But when you look at these people who are so great, who were maybe criticized initially, but you can't help but to respect them because they are authentic in who they are. Yeah. Because they're unique, that's what makes them legendary. Yes. So that's something that definitely I have to remind myself of. And as far as the vulnerability aspect, I have heard a lot of times, actually on the show, 30-something Black and gay, that people would often write me and say, you know, I liked how vulnerable you were. I think it kind of gives people the license to then feel seen, right? Kind of show you that you're not unique, <laughs> okay? If I have an issue going on, you know, you definitely have to have some sort of trust as to who you are being vulnerable with. But people are resourceful in that they can give you answers. They can give you solutions to things by me saying, hey, I'm going through this. or this is what my experience has been. Somebody can say, well, fear not. I know somebody or this is what I did. And you can get through that. You talked about like for yourself being shy or I don't know if that's still part of your makeup 
where I co-host a podcast called Wallflowers in Bloom about introversion, which was my friend Jenny's idea. But the whole tie-in with vulnerability is strength. When she asked me to do it, I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I am who I am. Okay. But because there was some shame in it. Yeah. But And us doing that platform and us being open about it, we've discovered that we've become more confident. I will never be like some close friends of mine who I just think are naturally gifted as social butterflies. But in admitting like, yeah, I'm not this person that wants to be standing on the tabletop all the time. I've become more confident in myself. I know that's right. Yeah. To that same point with the podcast that we had, Jason is the one who presented it and asked me if I wanted to be on it. I was almost emphatic in saying no. It's not me. This is something I think I always was concerned about communication and that being a challenge for me, being articulate. That was something that I was really concerned about being able to express my ideas amongst three other hosts at that time who have much bigger personalities in my mind, Mm -hmm. but I'm thankful. And he even said, you'll get better with time. Just like anything, just like working out. The reason why I do really love fitness and especially lifting weights is because it is very much a great example like of how life is. You start off with a, a weight that you're not used to, right? It's difficult to get the first few reps in. Then you get the groove, you're good. And then you get to a peak where it's like, okay, like, I don't know if I can get over this. I'm not sure if I can push through. Sometimes it takes a coach or an inspiring word to get you over that hill or that hump. And then once you do, number one, you're exhilarated. Number two, your confidence is through the roof because you know now I can do it. The next go around, you can do it much easier. And now you're stronger. So you can take on even more challenge. Well, good on Mikey for encouraging you to be on there. You know, you guys, when you started, were poor distinct personalities who all were able to give your input. We need those, especially in my opinion, in the Black community, the Black LGBT community, Black people in general, we need to see different personalities, not just one personality, and not to negate the personalities that are celebrated or that we see the most, but we need to see the layers or the different colors that we have within our own communities. Absolutely. So how did that project get off the ground, the podcast? Jason came to all of us, really. He had a dream about having a show. Even he's more on the shyer side. He's more quiet. He's very funny and is very articulate and expressive on the show. Mm-hmm. But in life, is more of a chill person. Okay. So he presented it to us. And we didn't have a lot of money at the time. And we really didn't know what we were doing. But he definitely spearheaded you know, how to get it broadcast. But we did it for a couple seasons and we wound up getting picked up by Reverie Studios. They do only LGBTQ content. But we had not so professional microphones at the beginning. We were recording onto an iPhone. We would pick one of our houses that we thought was the quietest to go and record. <laughs> and that's how we got started. To his credit, because I'm very much a perfectionist in a lot of ways, (laughs) if it can't be perfect, I don't really want to do it. But it was him that was just like, hey, you start off one way and then people will invest in you or we'll learn as we go. And so after season two is when we got a professional studio 
we got some more promotion. I definitely promoted it a lot on my social media. I also talked to a lot of my clients as a barber. Um, I would play it while I'm working. Good idea. Yeah. And people <laughs> would ask or they chime in, you know, as if the conversation is live and it has feedback. <laughs> and so then they started tuning in. And so that's how we started growing. I relate to you with being a more subdued person. Was I say you spot it, you got it. You sometimes reminded me of my mom, who was also much more subdued because you were, to my perception, somewhat more mellow, but you had these zingers every now and again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. There was one in particular, I won't say the artist's name. You may know who I'm talking about, but I had to rewind it. I remember when it aired, she was receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award or something like that. And the way you described her look, like somebody just, how'd you put it? Put their foot on the back of her head and just. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, because you got a facelift. Yeah. And I was like, okay, he's got that underneath the surface too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And that was something I was concerned that, that I was competing with bigger personalities, but I was reassured that you have your perspective and your point of view and you are funny. Because I was thinking, oh, you guys are so funny. And if you're like, how do you funny too? And I think I am funny. I do have little zingers. I had a lot of fun on that show. It was a good experience. You guys can listen to all the episodes. They're timeless because you're talking about things that we will always talk about as humans, as men, as Black men, as Black gay men. So yeah, I definitely recommend everyone check out the episodes. Thank you. Right now, we are only streaming on Spotify. You are? Okay. So to kind of wind down your skills and experiences with podcasting, with, you know, being in the health and beauty industry, with being a barber hairstylist. How have all these skills and experiences guided you and where you're at now as an entrepreneur for Sugar Bomb Hygienics? Well, I would say this. I see why God leads you (laughs) down a windy path, right? Because you do pick up skills from different things. I would say as far as the acting and being a model, like commercial model, I know what to have on a set. When I've done photo shoots for Sugar Bomb, I know the setups that I'm looking for. I know the type of ad campaigns. I'm starting to be able to create those things because I was paying attention, not just being in front of the camera, but I'm sitting and I'm observing what all the professionals are doing. So I got a bit of that. As far as the podcast is concerned, I feel like I became a stronger communicator. And being an entrepreneur, you do have to communicate. You know, you have to sell yourself because people have to believe in you. A lot of times my personality is not wanting to be in the forefront. And I found that it was kind of hurting me. The more I get in front of it, the more I get in front of Sugar Bum, people buy into it more. They understand the purpose and why I created it. What does it do? How does it work? They see themselves in me. You know, these are my assumptions. At some point, I'm going to need investors. And so having that practice of talking and being able to communicate. Also, even being here on your platform, I was on Fox Soul speaking at one point. It brought back memories of being on the podcast and and being able to hold my own in a conversation, Mm -hmm. barbering, connecting with people, listening, hearing people's stories, finding inspiration from my clients. 
also the reverse, making them feel good and, and confident and being rewarded by that and seeing their growth. Because of where I'm located in Hollywood, I have a lot of LGBTQ plus clientele. They're in the entertainment industry and I've been able to see their star rising. It's so rewarding. It really, it honestly is. I would like to transition my job as a barber into more of a show. That's something that I'm working on. What do you mean by a show? Just like how we have a podcast and we're having this conversation. I have a lot of great conversations that I think that I just wish that I had a microphone or a camera that was capturing it. Because it's not just for me. It's a lot of insight that I think that other brothers and sisters, you know, like would gain a lot of information from or perspective. They could learn a whole lot. Just people who have a lot of really good insight that has sewn into me. I love when we have a, a mutual conversation. It's, it's an exchange. If you miss me on 30 something black and gay, you can catch me, <laughs> catch me on another platform. <laughs> well, yeah. We look forward to that. I just want to say thank you so much again for this. Three words I would like to say is empathetic, a listener I heard, well, I felt, and then therapeutic. I'm the interviewer, but you know, I have to do my process because I'm meeting new people all the time. And I relate to your thing about being much more subdued. I definitely got that from you today. So thank you so much. I kind of feel like I'm in my therapist's office. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll take that. Thank yeah, you. yeah. No, I'm actually very honored and appreciative of being asked to be on your show. And you had talked to me a while ago, and I was eager to come on. I'm glad that we were able to make it happen. I was in Sweden back in September, I think, when I reached out to you. But I got back here. Uh, not back. I'm a friend said I'm visiting because I do want to return. But I saw the message because I always go through every now and again. It's like, I need to reach out again. The universe was telling me to reach out again. So, yeah, I'm just glad we were able to connect. Do you have any final words or thoughts? I just would like to say, if anybody's interested in the product, it is sugarbum.com. There's no A in the sugar, S-U-G-R-B-U-M.com. We also are Instagram as well, sugarbum underscore. I really enjoyed this conversation. I'll tell you that. That's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy the conversation. And now you're making like, oh, I want to get back to this. So... <laughs> Thank you for spending time with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, comment, and subscribe. Share with your friends, too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Our Black Gay Diaspora and on Twitter at BLK Gay Diaspora. Until next time.